Welcome to episode 38 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 38 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. And how was your New Year's Eve celebration, Jen? You know, it was a quiet at home New Year's Eve. It was a, a great one. I had just been out of town for a couple of days. Um, my college, Wake Forest, went to a bowl game, which was very exciting. And it was in it was in Charlotte, which is just um, it was about two and a half hours from my house. So a bunch of us went to it. Like a lot of, a lot of Wake Forest fans were at this bowl game, and we won. So that was a lot of fun. But I had two very fun filled and party filled days. <laughs> <laughs> on the 29th and the 30th. So, well, wait, the 28th and the 29th. So it felt really good to um, just stay in. My husband and I talked and drank champagne and rang in the new year. And it was like very grown up and not very partying. How about you? How was your New Year's Eve? Mine was good. Similar situation. Um, my family actually came in to LA, flew into LA because they're going to a they're also going to a bowl game today, actually. And so we we were crazy. We originally had reservations at the Palm Restaurant downtown in L.A., and everybody was not feeling so well, so we canceled it. And then we decided to go to another restaurant called L.A. Prime at the top of the West End downtown. And my we didn't realize that it was a mandatory set price menu of $200 per person. Oh, my gosh. So we showed up, seven of us, because there were significant others involved as well. And <laughs> we found that out. We were like, uh, no. No, gosh. So then we called we called back the Palm, and they actually took us, all seven of us. But it was good. It was a good dinner, carpaccio, fish, salmon. My siblings actually went out and did all the partying and stuff, and I, I've just been so tired from moving, um, moving back to LA and I'm nervous about the book release tomorrow and everything. And I, I was like, I'm just gonna go back to the apartment. Yeah. It, it just, sometimes it, it feels, feels good to just relax and be at home and, you know, not feel like you have to get out there. So it was, it was a great evening. So are your parents at the Rose Bowl? Yes. They're going to the Rose Bowl. Oh, are, are they Georgia, Georgia fans? Yes. My, um, my mom went to Georgia Okay, I did not know that. <laughs> My husband is a Georgia fan, and of course, this episode will be coming out after the game. So, in the future, when people are listening, they will know who who won the game. But, um, you know, 
<laughs> we don't know now because it hasn't happened yet. Is it on now? Okay, I'm not sure. My husband's in there watching something, but he's been watching football all day, so who knows? There's all sorts of games. I'll be watching the Sugar Bowl tonight, too, so we got lots of bowls going on. So in the future, when y'all are listening to this episode, you'll know all the outcomes of these bowl games, but now you know when when we're recording it, too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Shall we jump into today's episode? Yes. Let's get started. And our, our first um, is actually feedback from listener Holly. And the subject is Sarah Peptase. And Holly says, 39-year-old, fit, healthy female. I just started IF two weeks ago. I was already really close naturally to this lifestyle with my eating times. After I started, I had the terrible IF flu, feeling much better now. I'm fortunate my body responds quickly to change. I have always taken Allegra for allergies and tried the Serapeptase and OMG, I had terrible sinuses and sinus headaches for four days. I thought I was sick, but it was actually my sinuses cleaning out from this supplement. I basically got clear sinus overload by being able to use all my sinus cavities and I can breathe better than I have in my whole life and I don't have to take Allegra anymore. Yay. Thank you for this supplement suggestion. I am doing bone broth and a curcumin supplement. I also liked the tip about too much protein causing inflammation. Love the podcast. I have learned so much. You ladies are my motivation when things get rough. Please never stop this podcast. Never stop. We'll be doing it when we're 100, when we're centenarians. We'll we'll still be sharp. Yes, (laughs) from our fasting. (laughs) Of course, when you're 100, I'll be 120, right? Oh, so... Yes. Well, <laughs> wonderful. I'll put my, my teeth back in and no, I will have all my teeth because of the fasting. Yes, you will. <laughs> we'll be super, super yeah. people. <laughs> there we go. Love it. Do you have any, any comments you'd like to make to Holly? Just thank you, Holly, so much for the feedback. And I feel like we're starting a Sarah Peptase fan club. Like we should, we should be sponsors for Sarah, for Sarah Peptase. Everybody is know, taking yeah. it now. That's true. No, but I, I just love hearing from you, Holly. And I'm so happy that IF is working for you and that Sarah Peptase is working for you. And keep on keeping on. How about you? Yeah, and I, I have to say the same thing happened with me when I first started Sarah Peptase. I was not taking it for sinus, sinus issues. That was not even on my radar. It was for... Um, uterine fibroids and so I was not expecting the sinus clearage because I guess I had only read about it as it pertained to, to what I was taking it for and I actually just like Holly said I thought I was sick when I first started because my sinuses emptied out so much it was really pretty pretty interesting now I'm trying to remember why I originally took it I think it was just for inflammation in general I read it was really good for that awesome All right, are we ready to move on? Yes, so we have actually another listener feedback email, and this one comes from Matt, and the subject is white kidney bean guy from England. (laughs) And Matt says, hi guys, picked up your podcast this morning and delighted you picked up my question. I'm the white kidney bean guy from England. Thank you for your frank and honest review. Was really fair and honest review of my choice, and, and I appreciate it's not something that you can or should recommend. I certainly won't be using these when I'm down at a normal weight, but as weight loss is my main aim with IF at the moment, it fits my routine and seems to add a small edge to my weight loss. 
In my experience, I haven't suffered any negative side effects from taking these, and possibly because I only do so when I eat carbs socially, which I will probably do on Christmas Day, for example. Update. Now I am 37 pounds down since January. Keeps going steadily. My wedding ring keeps falling off. Keep up the good work and best wishes for the book launch. I'll be pre-ordering myself this week. Oh, thank you so much, Matt. Um, So yes, Matt submitted a question to us about white kidney bean extract, which is a supplement which blocks the absorption of carbs and can lead to weight loss. I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes. But yeah, so Matt, it's wonderful to hear from you. We were we love to answer your question, and we're glad that IF is working for you as well. Do you have any feedback? Yes. I just want to say congratulations on the 37-pound weight loss. I know that feels great. And get that ring sized. Go ahead. Go to the jeweler. They can resize it. Your wife does not want you to lose your wedding ring. I'm just going to tell you that. <laughs> I actually had to get my my wedding ring resized. Oh, after really? I lost the weight. I did, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, it was it was great. I took it in. It, it They had to make it smaller. And the jeweler was like, now – when it's hot in the summer, it might be tight again. So I was like really worried. And then the summer came around and it was hot and it wasn't tight. So I was like, good. <laughs> it was, it was, it was fine. So <laughs> I, there, yeah. there are very few things that I'm, that I have a lingering sadness about when I think about them, but I lost my high school graduation ring when I went to a party in college and I'm really oh, sad about sad. that one. Yeah. You don't want to, don't want to do that. So Yes, get get those rings sized. You don't want to lose the rings. You know, funny side note, I also got my feet were smaller after I lost the weight. I had my shoes fit differently. Yeah. Even my feet were chubby. So Yes, and that's that's what's so interesting. Like I used to be a size seven and a half shoe way back in the day. Like high school, I was a seven and a half and you know, through my early adulthood. And then, you know, after I had kids, I was like a size eight and then even like an eight and a half when I was overweight. But now I'm back down to a seven and a half to an eight. So it's really fascinating. Yeah. A lot of people report that their, their feet get smaller. That's, that's very telling. Yeah. I mean, it could be a combination of chubby feet, but it also could be just, you know, as you are heavier, the weight on your feet may cause them to, I don't know, spread out or whatever. Mm -hmm. I just made that up. Does that sound plausible? It sounds possible to me. I'll go with it. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) Our feet are adaptable. But anyway, don't be surprised, listeners, when you get smaller feet. All right. Shall we jump into the questions for today? Yes. Let's get started. And our first is from Emily. And the subject is low blood pressure with IF. And Emily says, hi, ladies. Love the podcast. You're both amazing. Question for you. I've always had pretty good blood pressure, 120 over 70. I had my yearly physical recently, and my blood pressure was 90 over 60. My doctor didn't seem overly concerned, but I was wondering if it could be a side effect of intermittent fasting. I vary between 16-8 or 24 based on how my body is feeling, meaning that she varies between having an 8-hour eating window some days down to a 4-hour eating window on other days. Keep up the awesome work, Emily. So what do you think, Melanie? Alrighty. So I did do some research on blood pressure. And my first just initial response was that I'd always heard that fasting reduces blood pressure, that that's the typical response. So I did do some research and I found that the results are actually mixed. I found one study that 
looked at multiple different types of religious fasting, for example, Christianity, also Ramadan, and it found that in the different styles that, like I said, the results are mixed. Some studies find that blood pressure changes during the fast. Some find that it decreases. I didn't actually find any studies saying that the blood pressure increased during fasting, which was interesting. It seemed that it was mostly stayed the same or decreased. One study did find that for fasters performing steady state aerobic exercise that their blood pressure increased while fasting. So basically, yes, fasting can affect your blood pressure. Typically though, it's going to probably be a beneficial change rather than a negative change. Oh, and then one other side note, one of the studies was pointing out was that it's interesting that blood pressure reduces because fasting typically increases the nervous system and leads to more activity with that. So you would think that blood pressure would increase as well, but it actually seems to lower blood pressure. How about you, Jen? Well, I can just speak, you know, anecdotally from the results of the the members of the intermittent fasting support groups and that people do frequently report, they frequently report that their blood pressure goes down. So that just seems to be a pretty common um, phenomenon that people report. Hey, my blood pressure has gone down, that sort of thing. So, you know, I'm glad that your doctor wasn't overly concerned about it. So that sounds like a good thing. All right. Shall we go on to the next question? Sure. So this question comes from Stephen, and the subject is Biggest Disagreement, and Stephen says, Hi, Melanie and Jen. I've been practicing IF for about five weeks. I love this lifestyle. I found your podcast while researching, and I've thoroughly enjoyed listening through almost all of your episodes, with one exception. And I say this in jest. This just stands out when binge listening, as I've been doing. 90% of your interactions when it comes to listener questions go like this. Melanie, I think this. Jen, I agree. Next question. Jen, I found this to be true. What do you think? Melanie, oh, I totally agree. (laughs) Next question. Melanie, (laughs) let me emphasize that we're not doctors, but I believe this is what works. Jen, I agree. (laughs) So here's my question for the two of you. What is the biggest thing the two of you disagree on when it comes to the ideas discussed on this show? Because I agree with both of you. Thanks so much, Stephen. I love this question yeah. so much. It's so I love it wonderful. <laughs> I laughed and laughed and laughed when I read it. Yes. <laughs> and I think I think that it's it's true. We do agree on a lot of the things, Stephen. And that's because that's where the research takes us. You know, we're both we how often, Melanie, do we frequently I mean we research independently. We get the questions, we research independently, and so frequently we independently arrive at the same sources because that's what what's out there. So I think it's a good sign that we agree on the big things because that means that that's what the research is showing us. What do you think about that? Do you agree, Melanie? Oh, gosh. Yes. (laughs) That is so ironic. I was going to say I agree completely. Um, Well, that's the thing. Just in case listeners are curious, we don't really discuss the questions beforehand or our research we do like very, very occasionally. Typically, we have no idea what research uh, the other the other person has done or like I don't know what Jen's going to say. But like you said, Jen, the research is so consistent that we typically come to the same place. Right. Now, I, 
We do disagree, I think, on some food-related things, like about what our bodies are supposed to eat and not supposed to eat. And I think that Melanie comes from the, the paleo side of it, as far as like humans are not supposed to eat grains. See, I don't think that at all. I think grains are great for people. <laughs> so ironic. I agree. That's what I wrote down. I, uh, uh, the main thing I think we disagree on is the food. And that right. just comes from that comes from our personal experience, our personal research. And I feel like we're trying – I'm not trying to be like super politically correct when I'm saying, but I accept I, – well, I, I want everybody to find what works for them because I do – while I don't like to attach morality to food at all in any in any way, and I want everybody to find what works for them personally, I do think there are certain substances, food substances, that we are not meant to eat. And so I think that's probably the main thing that we disagree on. Yeah, and I yeah, I don't agree with that just because I think that anything that's been eaten for you know, generations and generations, our bodies adapt to these things. So I, I don't agree with the whole, like, this food ha- is bad and it's different. And so that that's our main, our main dis- dis- disagreement. But it's okay because we can both respect. I can respect that those foods are not working for Melanie or that um, they may not work for everyone, but they do work well for me. <laughs> yeah. I think also we, we don't really disagree, but – I think I'm more lenient with um, the clean fasting. Probably so. Yeah, I'm pretty hardcore about that just because I've seen the difference it makes with people. So, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think that's mainly it. I mean, we yeah. really do agree on most things. Well, we do because <laughs> because really a lot of, like I said, the research brings us to the same place. Great question, though, and I really loved it. Thank you for, for um, sharing it, Stephen. We're going to try to disagree. Melanie, I we'll disagree. Try. No. We, should, we should take note. <laughs> I'm trying to think, like, out of all of our podcasts, if we ever really I – think, I think the most – the only really, quote, disagreement about the plant lectins, which goes back to the um, – Right. Goes back to the foods being – some foods right. being inappropriate or not. I don't like using good or bad, but, yeah, I love that question, Stephen. We enjoyed that one. Okay, let's move on to our next one. And this one is from Gina. And the subject is IF and keto. And she says, I have been on keto for about five months and am very happy with all the results. I want to start IF probably doing an 18-6 with two meals a day. I know this might sound like a stupid question, but if my eating window is one to six, does that mean that all my food should be consumed by six or start my last meal at six? Hi, Gina. Thanks for your question. Super easy question with a super easy answer. You end your meal by six. Yeah. And, well, I have a little math here. <laughs> because, well, just because Gina said she wanted to do 18-6, meaning a six-hour eating window. But if her eating window is one to six, that's a five-hour eating window. So, Gina, if you want to eat from one to six, you've got a five-hour eating window. And so if you want to have a six-hour eating window, then end by seven. I failed that I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> That's okay, Melanie. We don't have to agree. I know. <laughs> I disagree, actually. Yeah, I mean, that's – yeah. So anyway, that's just uh, – um, that's just something to keep in mind. So really, it seems like one to seven might be your, your six-hour window. 
I mean, yeah, your six-hour window, and then you would be ending your meal at seven. You just got another hour. It's like daylight savings times. I can never remember what you call which one. Like the one where you spring forward, the one you fall back. I don't know which one is daylight savings and which one isn't. Wait, only one of them is daylight savings? Well, one of them is called daylight savings and the other one is called like standard (gasps) time or something. I don't know. My mind is blown. They're not both daylight savings? No, one of them is daylight savings and I can't remember which it is. You start daylight savings, you end daylight savings. So all I can remember is fall back in the fall, spring forward in the spring. I can never remember which is which is actually daylight savings time. Now I'm just thinking about it. I don't know how we're, how we're saving the daylight. I'm not really sure because based on the movement of the sun, we have exactly the same amount of daylight no matter what time it is. So <laughs> I don't mean like, I mean, throughout the year, I know that we have a different amount of daylight, but it doesn't matter whether I call it five o'clock or four o'clock. I think it's really bad for our bodies. There's one state that doesn't, right? Arizona. Arizona, yeah. And parts, I think it's parts of Arizona that don't do it. I don't know. I could be wrong. But yeah, it's very confusing when it changes. And it's just, it's so hard on our bodies. They say that um, statistically, like people have more car accidents right after the time change. Yeah. And I just feel so out of sorts. I don't, I don't really like it. But the annoying thing is it's, isn't it always on a Sunday? Like Saturday into Sunday, yeah, it always happens. Like at 2 a.m. Growing up, I was like, why can't this be on a school day when I can really (laughs) appreciate the extra sleep hour? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Always on the weekend, yeah. All right, wonderful tangent there. Shall we move on to our next question? Yes, let's. All right, so this question comes from Luana, and the subject is eating routine. And Luana says, hey guys, first of all, I'm completely addicted to the podcast. I love the amazing, solid information you guys share. I would love to share with you my routine to know if I'm doing it right. I've been flirting with low carb and 16 hours fasting for a long time, but since last month, I've been doing one meal a day and I love it. But in the morning, I have one or two tablespoons of heavy cream in my coffee. I still can't have black coffee every day and a piece of cheese or a couple slices of ham in the afternoon when I'm really hungry. Most days, just the heavy cream, no snacks. At night, around 7 or 8, I have a real healthy meal full of veggies, salads, meat, good fats, around 1,100 or 1,200 calories, no pasta, no bread, no white potatoes. In my eating window, I have fiber supplements and women's multivitamin. If I don't take the fiber, I can't go to the bathroom. Sorry for sharing this. Ha ha ha. No worries about that, Luana. I, you should see my blog. There's <laughs> so much about all that. Um, okay, she says, every now and then on special occasions, maybe twice a month, I'll have dessert or homemade pasta. I'm Italian. No more than that. How does that look? I feel great with this routine. It's the first time that I have my cravings under control and it feels like I'll be able to stick to it for a long time. But I would like to know if you guys see any problems on the long run. Once again, thank you so much for everything you share. Your podcast is making my life much better. Ciao, Luana. All right, what are your thoughts, Jen? Well, Luana, thank you for the question. And I'm super glad that you feel good while doing this and that that it feels like it's working for you now. I'm sure Melanie knows where I'm going to go with this. Um, Some tough love from me. You say that you can't have black coffee every day. Yes, you can, Luana. (laughs) You can. Um, Technically, based on 
you know, my thoughts about the clean fast, you're really opening your window when you have that cream and you're definitely opening your window when you have that snack. So let's say that you're having the cream at, let's say 8 a.m. I don't know what time you're drinking your coffee. And then you're eating um, until 8 p.m. You know, that's really 12 hours that your body is digesting from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. So if you just cut out that cream, you would be getting more fasting time. So you've just got to decide, is that you know, worth it to you. Now, if you're happy with 12 hours of the clean fast, you know, from 8 p.m. when you're done eating till when you have that cream the next day, you know, if you feel great, you're only having that one meal, you know, that that may be the trade-off that's worth it to you. But I would like to challenge you to give up that cream and just really see what a difference that that makes for you. And then, you know, consider that you've opened your window when you have your snack in the afternoon. And so, yeah, technically you're still doing one meal a day, um, but because of the cream, you're really having quite a long um, eating window, counting all of that, including your meal. As far as that, everything else seems like it it should work fine, Um, as long as you feel good, take your fiber supplement, everything sounds like a great plan. What do you think, Melanie? So I slightly disagree. I thought you might. Slightly. (laughs) (laughs) I think that the heavy cream could possibly slash probably be breaking your fast, but from my research, it seems sometimes that the the caffeine from the coffee with the low amounts of cream can adequately offset each other to the point that the fasted state is basically maintained from the body's perspective, I guess. Um, I, I really don't know, though. It's you personally. I don't know how um, it's – I don't know personally how it's affecting you, though. But the food in the afternoon is really definitely breaking your fast. So you are not doing one meal a day. Well, you know, if, if she's having the snack and then a meal, that counts as one meal a day, in my, in my opinion. Oh, see, that's something we disagree on. Okay. Yeah, because, I feel well, like she's having as- – no, because she's having the the snack at – She's having the snack in the afternoon, like around lunchtime, and then she's having. Oh wait, is she having it at lunchtime? See, that's what I, I couldn't mm-hmm. tell. In the, in the in the afternoon when I'm really hungry, I just don't know what time afternoon is. See, I I feel like if you're eating, like you can have. Technically, I think you could have an eight-hour eating window and still call yourself one meal a day if you're having a snack and a meal. The key is: Are you having one quote meal? That's the thing. She says she has it in the afternoon, and she's considering it a snack. Yeah. So I, I would not consider what she's doing one meal a day. And I would. At all. <laughs> I consider a snack and a meal. Like one at meal. all. One meal a day. Yeah, I do. I guess we did, we talk, we did disagree about that on a previous podcast as yeah. well. I, I consider if you're having one meal a day – you know, you're, you're following one meal a day. That's the, the key. And a lot of people are like, no, you must eat. I mean, some people, Melanie, even say that to consider yourself one meal a day, you have to eat it within an hour. That's like one train of thought, which I know you, you don't agree with that. I think that if you're doing one meal a day, that means you're not having any other food at any other time. Well, what do you think is the spread of it? Like five hours? How? I, what What is your definition? So... I think it would go back to typical thoughts of breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, things like that. 
Yeah. So using that framing, your meal, I think it would all be considered one meal. So like, so for dinner, the reason I don't think she's doing, the reason I don't think Luan is doing one meal a day is because I feel like she's having a concentrated snack that is very definitely a afternoon snack. And then later she's having dinner. So it's two completely separate things. Well, that is actually how I do one meal a day. (laughs) I have a snack and then a couple of hours later I'll have a meal. But when do you have your snack? I mean, it, it, I don't know that that's relevant. It's, it's all within that time period of, of what I consider my Isn't it though around like dinner though? Isn't it? Well, sometimes it's three o'clock. So I, I feel like if you're having one meal, an actual meal, and that's, I guess, where it could get tricky. What's a meal? What's a snack? But, I mean, you generally know it when you see it. You know, if it's not what you would call lunch, I wouldn't call, um, you know, some cheese and crackers my lunch. But, I mean, in any case, <laughs> it's technicalities and it's terminology. And it's – Right. And in the end, doing the fasting window is what you're benefiting from. So it's not a big deal. <laughs> In the grand scheme of things, but I, I do I do think it's really interesting. Well, really, you know, there are a lot of people out there who want to argue about one meal a day in the one meal a day Facebook group, and they're like, "You must eat it within one hour, or it doesn't count." And I'm like, "No, that's not what we what we say here. No." So see, you see, there's a gray area of what you want to call it terminology wise, and uh, really, does it matter so much? No, I mean, I know for a fact I eat one actual meal a day, and I don't got it. Yeah. I think I've got it. Okay. So I consider it one meal a day when you start eating and then and you continue eating and you end your eating and then you're done compared to having like a snack and then stopping and then doing other things not even related to food and then eating again. I would that's when I would consider it not one meal a day. But I would say so what like, does it matter if the window length is the same? No, I, I know. I, um, I would just not call it one meal a day. So the the window length would still be the same, which is a good point because um, that's what I was actually just thinking about in my head was that the window length would actually be the same. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider it one meal a day. Well, I do. Terminology-wise. <laughs> I do. I consider it one meal a day. I mean, you could even have a snack, a meal, and then dessert an, an hour later. That's still a meal. I like to think of it as – if you're at a fine restaurant, you know, and you're getting an appetizer and then you're going to socialize for a little while and then later you're going to have dinner. I mean, that's still considered one meal. I just have my appetizer a couple of hours prior. I guess I would see it as like going to one restaurant and getting an appetizer and then doing something else and then going back to either the same restaurant or another restaurant and getting dinner. I've actually gone to two restaurants at, in one night before, so. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. We, um, we've actually do that a lot. My husband and I, if, when we go out to eat, we have one restaurant. We love their dessert, so we'll go out to one restaurant and eat dinner there and then go to another one for dessert. <laughs> I think a lot of people actually do that. Yeah. When I was um, a server, a lot of people would often leave, would not get dessert at the restaurant because they were going somewhere, somewhere else. else. Yeah. But typically not like another actual restaurant. Typically it's like an ice cream place. <laughs> we, we'll, we'll walk over. Like one, one of our favorite places to eat dinner um, is close to our favorite place to have dessert. So we'll walk from one to the other. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
All right. Well, there we go. Look, look, we, we disagreed. <laughs> All right. Here's the next one. This is from Jeremy, and, this, and um, there is no subject. Jeremy says, hi, ladies. Just wanted to say a quick thanks for y'all doing the podcast. My girlfriend mentioned IF to me a few months ago after I got released from the hospital. I'm newly disabled, and IF has helped me reclaim my life. I have been having a hard time thinking of good vegetables or fruit that I can get from local stores throughout the year. Any thoughts to keep me from getting burnt out on certain fruits and vegetables? All righty, Jeremy. Well, hello, hello. I'm so happy to hear that IF has helped you so much with your with your health. That's absolutely wonderful to hear. Wonderful question. So I would actually encourage you to eat fruits and vegetables seasonally. And this is a huge thing um, actually for our health. So now we live in a world where every fruit and vegetable is available all the time. <laughs> and um, that's actually at odds with our from the research that I've done with our, our natural state of being. And um, actually, Jen, did you know, I just read the other day that fruit, for example, when we eat fruit, our bodies assume that we're in the summer. And so it can our, it can cause our bodies to downregulate our vitamin D production. Now that's fascinating. I didn't know that, but it's hilarious. I was also going to talk about eating seasonally. Oh, <laughs> See, I'm sorry, but that's exactly that was where I was going with the two. Yeah. So, yeah. So I would just encourage you to to eat seasonally. So, you know, the squashes, the tubers, stuff like that during the winter and then more fruit during the summer. Although I'm a really bad example because I eat fruit like a lot and all the time. (laughs) Jen, do you have any specific recommendations for fruits and vegetables? Well, I mean, really, that's going to be so personal as far as what you like and and what what you prefer to eat. But it's just so funny because I've been thinking about this a lot lately and, um, you know, paying attention. You know, I just started doing the, um, the meal delivery services in September of last year. So it's been a year and about three months and maybe like 15 months I've been doing meal delivery services. So, um, they're very seasonal with the with what they they ship. So I'm trying a lot of different things throughout the year. But then you know thinking about what I have for my snack and what I'm I'm buying at the store for my my daily snack every day and it's really so different. Like over the summer, I was super into guacamole. Every single day I was having guacamole for my snack over the summer when it was hot and I was having kombucha and it just felt like the right thing to have. And then as it started to get colder, I would try to eat the guacamole, and I'm like, ooh, I don't want this right now. And I also stopped wanting the um, the kombucha. So my body preferences have actually changed, and so I don't want the same foods. You know, I'm more like I would like to have some cheese and some crackers, and it's kind of shifted. Of course, that's not a fruit or a vegetable, but... Um, Basically, Jeremy, I would just say pay attention to what's in season and in the winter, go to those winter seasonable or seasonal things, you know, the, the beans, the potatoes, the um, the different squashes. And then in the summer, go to the more summery types of things. And I think that that's, that's probably how we're meant to be, like Melanie said. It makes sense. It's interesting because we 
he's talking about getting burnt out on certain fruits and vegetables. Although in general, they say that the more you eat a certain food, the more you crave it, like the more you get accustomed to it. And then when you take it out, you don't want it as much. But we often crave the things that we eat the most, which is interesting. Yeah. That makes sense. But I was, I really just, I think it's the temperature of the, like, you know, it, the, the guacamole is cold and it just didn't feel right eating it, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wasn't speaking to like the guacamole specifically. I was just saying in general. Also, <laughs> Jeremy, you can also, if you ever want to try the whole food novelty thing, you can go to a, a, like a farmer's market or something like that and look for really unique vegetables. Like when I was in Atlanta, there was this, huge farmer's market store it wasn't really a farmer's market but it was like a it was like a it's like a costco size but it was um all international food it was insane i went there and i spent like hours and they had all of the like all the weird unique fruits that you've just heard about but you haven't actually ever seen that sounds fun like um like what is it durian is that the one that smells so bad there's one that like supposed to. S- there is one that smells. Oh, there is one that smells it's really bad. It's not that one. I think they probably had it. Okay. They had they had jackfruit. They had they had this one fruit that was literally the size of like an exercise ball that you sit on. Oh wow! I'm not kidding. It was that big. I I just stared at it. <laughs> it was amazing. And then they had like dragon fruit and like all just. It was just. Now I'm just thinking about how my mind was just blown. <laughs> um. So that's something you can try, Jeremy. Oh, and that's where I discovered the the most amazing tasting fruit of all time. Have I talked about this before? Um, I don't know. Unless you're going to say candy, um, those grapes. It's so good. That's the only one. No. Okay, no. Those were good, though. Have you had – I don't know how you say it. Have you had cherry moya? No, I have not. Or custard apple, I think, is the other name for I've it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I... Oh, my goodness. Does it taste? Mark Twain said that it was – he has some quote about how it's like the most amazing tasting thing in the whole world. It tastes like watermelon everlasting gobstopper. Oh, that's it. Well, since I don't like watermelon. It tastes exactly I like I bet that. I wouldn't like it. Oh. Mm. Well, it's not too water. It's just – oh, my goodness. I can't even describe how amazing it tastes. So, Jeremy, go pick up that. <laughs> they actually have it at Sprouts. Sometimes. Okay. Well, that sounds fun. But yeah, see what's out. Try it. Look for new recipes. Keep yourself from being burned out. I really do believe we need a variety of things. So that's what the the meal delivery services have taught me that I like a lot more foods than I thought I did. Like they're doing a lot with butternut squash right now. Like last night we had, um, no, night before last, we had something with butternut squash. It was like a, oh, it was a gnocchi gnocchi is potato dumpling so it was a gnocchi with a butternut squash and it was amazing and so I've, I had never in my life bought butternut squash or thought of what to do with it so I'm really enjoying That's trying really? these different things yeah really yeah. and tonight I'm having I, I I swear I think I ate like a teenage boy before I wish I could eat it more it causes some digestion does it yeah I love it I wish I could eat it more it's so like good. tonight we're having a um Something that seemed appropriate for for New Year's Day because you know the, in the South we like to eat black eyed peas for for New Year's Day. So I'm making 
a soup that has, um, it's like a chili and it has black eyed peas and it also tomatillas are in it. Have you ever worked with tomatillas? No. And I didn't know that's how you say well, that, it. Well, I don't know if that's how you say it. That's <laughs> tomatillo is what it looks like, but I think it's tomatilla. But, um, I've worked with those before. They're very sticky. They're weird. Like they feel very strange when you touch them, but, um. Yeah, I'm excited. Trying trying new things. I've had them before, but I never would have picked up a tomatilla in the grocery store. All right, shall we go on to our next question? Yes. All right, so this question comes from Heather, and the subject is feeling hungry. And Heather says, Hello, I've just started intermittent fasting two weeks in, and I'm loving your podcast. Some days I feel amazing, and I can do at least a 16-hour fast, and some days I'm starving by 12 hours. Do I listen to my body and eat, or do I fight through, and my body will adjust eventually? Also, I know you both have a five-ish hour eating window and have had great results. Do you see people have success with weight loss with an eight-hour eating window? I seem to feel better with an eight-hour eating window, but losing weight is a huge reason for doing this. All righty. Thanks for your question, Heather. What are your thoughts, Jen? Well, first of all, I think the key to this question is that she's two weeks in. She's just started intermittent fasting. So when you're two weeks in, your body is not fully adjusted to it yet. So that is why you're having the hunger. Your body is working on um, burning through your glycogen stores and switching over to fat burning. And you're not doing that probably very effectively yet. It takes a while. Once you adjust, which takes some people about three weeks, some people really more like a month or even five weeks. Um, you know, I used to say three weeks, rule of thumb. But over time, I've realized some people really do take a little longer than that three weeks, like the four or the five, before it really just, you know, you know that your body's getting into ketosis and you just feel great. So I think it's too early for you, um, Heather, to say that you – feel better with an eight-hour eating window because you probably actually do right now feel better with the eight-hour eating window. But as your body adjusts, you may realize it's it's easier for you to delay opening your window every day. And then you'll work your way up um, to the longer fast and the, the shorter eating window. You know, I certainly did not start off from day one with one meal a day. When I switched over, and um, in 2014 and really adopted intermittent fasting, I was doing a five-hour window from 1230 to 530, and I was eating two meals within it. And I did get very slow results with that, but it wasn't until I pushed it until later. But it took time, see? That's the thing. I pushed it till later, but not right away. I didn't try to do it all at once. I waited till my body was adjusted and then, you know, gradually shifted it later. Now, I get busy and you know, like last night I was busy doing something and it was 6.30 and I, I finally was like cooking dinner and my son was like, when are we going to eat? When are we going to eat? And I hadn't, I didn't even have a snack because I just was busy and, you know, it was absolutely no problem at all to not eat until later. I also knew that I was going to be keeping my window open really late because it was New Year's Eve. So I was not in a rush to open it early. But it really, really, really gets easier over time. And two weeks in is just too soon. Yeah, you're probably really, really getting hungry because your body is like, hey, what's happening? Where's my quick energy that I'm used to? So at the beginning, I would say always push through at the beginning unless you feel really, really sick. You know, if you have a lot of nausea, then that may be the signal to go ahead and and. Um, break the fast at that time if you feel sick and super duper shaky. But you are going to have to do some element of pushing through 
in order to train your body to, to have the longer fasting time. Now, I do have a suggestion in Delay, Don't Deny in the chapter on um, using an eating window approach. And I think I've talked about it before, and it's based on the carbohydrate addicts diet. Start off, you know, eating low carb early in the day and then gradually push back the low carb meals. And, you know, your final meal for the day, your dinner would be just a normal meal. No need to be low carb unless you're just low carb. But over time, your bo- that helps your body adapt to the, um, the fat burning during the day. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. As long as I think as well, as long as you have the fat to lose, just I think you're good with pushing through. You can do it. Yeah. You can do it. Um, Focus on – just do something else. That's what I find. I find physical activity to be the most effective for fighting through that hunger, just going and doing something physical. But then when you're at more maintenance or if you need to even gain weight, that's when I think that um, you might want a longer eating window. But, um, yeah, I agree mostly. <laughs> I mean completely. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Are we ready for our next question? Yes. This one is from Hannah. And Hannah says, hi, Melanie and Jen. I discovered your podcast a few weeks ago and have been listening religiously on my way to work and back. I absolutely love it. I have been doing IF since September and I feel great. I do 16-8 and sometimes 19-5, depending on the day. I love all the things I learn from your podcast. For example, I have started taking Natural Calm for Magnesium and Serapeptase. I also have my grandmother taking Serapeptase for her sinuses and my grandfather taking Magnesium. I love all these health things I learned from you. My life is very busy at the moment, and so I don't have time to do the research. So it's nice to have you two who have done the research recommend these different things I can add to my life to promote health and wellness. So my question is, what are other things besides what you have already talked about on the show that you both do or take or apply topically that you feel benefits your life and promotes health and wellness? Thanks for the podcast, ladies. Keep it up, Hannah. All right. Well, hi, Hannah. Another Serapeptase fan. <laughs> that wasn't even on purpose. I didn't do that on purpose. Um, oh, my goodness. I have so many things. I was like, oh, there are so many things. And I might have mentioned a few of these briefly on previous podcasts, but I'll just run through the list that I made. So let us see. I think we talked to, I talked about this before, but vitamin D supplementation is huge. And like I said, I like to do that orally and sublingually. I love doing red light therapy, which I've talked about before, which is good for your metabolism. And it's good for your health in general. And it's just really nice. I think that this is sort of vague, but mindset is key and just really cultivating a mindset of appreciation and I'm reading a book right now called Hardwiring Happiness. Have you heard of that, Jen? I don't think I've heard of that one, no. So it's all about how our brains, well, on the negative side, our brains tend to gravitate towards not being happy. They tend to find the negative in things, Um, but how you can like actually rewire your brain to really focus on the positive and I just, I'm really fascinated by the, like the way we feel and how it relates to what's actually literally happening in our neurological circuits. I'm just so fascinated by that. 
That sounds like a great one. I would like to read that. Tell me the name again. Yeah. Hardwiring Happiness. Yeah, I would like that. That's so funny because my husband and I had a talk last night that was very similar because he tends – see, I am the person who always sees the happy thing. You know, I'm always like really sees the positive in every situation where he's the other. <laughs> and we were having a conversation. I was trying to get him to learn to shift the other way. And does this book teach you how to do that? Ben? Yeah, yeah, it's it's about that a lot. And actually, so in my book – in my book that comes out tomorrow, What When Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting and Wine. That's actually what part of my conclusion is about because um, like growing up, I was always the the glass half full person as well, like very positive. I, I literally, literally did not understand how people could be, and this is terrible, but I didn't understand how they could be depressed or how they could see the negative in things. I didn't get it. I was like, you just don't. Like, you just, like, why would you would you react that way? Um, and then actually when I started, when I got all my digestive issues and my food poisoning and all the all that stuff, which I talk about a lot in my blog, that actually really changed things and made me I made me start gravitating towards seeing more negative for a little bit and I finally understood that that there there was a difference there um, so now I'm really fascinated with how to really continue that positive mindset and how to cultivate that it's it's very interesting so um, but yeah, so a few other things. So I colon hydrotherapy, I'm a fan of. <laughs> have you ever done that, Jen? I have not ever done that. No. <laughs> I love me some colon hydrotherapy. Okay. No, I've never done that. <laughs> I, yep. <laughs> I The first time I got it done, I was like, this is crazy and I'm never going to talk about this and whatever. But I actually really love colonics. Oh, this is something about being happy. They say that it, you should make all of your passwords for everything something that's motivational or happy. So, like, rather than your password being like one, two, three, four, five, you should make it be like, you got this. So then every time you like turn on your computer, you're like, I've got this. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah, apparently, like, really works because, like, the constant exposure to things is how you really wire it in your brain. I'm a huge fan of wearing. Uh, red goggles at night. So those are great for regulating your your circadian rhythm. Huge fan of air purifiers. Those make a big difference. Um, sleep masks and earplugs and blackout curtains for sleeping I love. I don't do actual cold showers like the cold therapy where people do it for like 15 minutes, but I do find that at the end of your shower, if you blast yourself with cold water for as long as you can, um, that that's actually very stimulating and a great way to wake up. It has a lot of health benefits. I'm a big fan of going. This is kind of interesting, but I go and get my food every day. I don't really, I mean, I do stock up on food in the refrigerator, but I have a tendency to go get my meal almost every day so I can pick out what I'm really craving and it'll be really fresh, which is interesting. Um, Choosing natural antimicrobials over antibiotics, going organic on everything, and not seeing that as like 
just a just what's the word not seeing that is just something that people do or like not a big deal I think is huge and that includes wine that's why I love dry farm wines which is uh, all organic wine you can go to dryfarmwines.com slash I have podcasts for a discount for those wines also getting rid of all of the toxic beauty products and personal care products that you can. So if you can slowly switch out all those, I find that that makes a huge difference. I use Castile soap for basically everything, (laughs) washing my face, um, in the shower, for soap, it's amazing. I look up, I I really recommend looking up things on the environmental working group, especially your cleaning supplies. And I really, really recommend slowly switching out all of your cleaning supplies to environmentally friendly ones that aren't toxic because all of the toxic chemicals around us are just really detrimental to our health and um, actually play a huge role in epigenetics and how our our immune systems react to things. I'm also a big fan of (laughs) making homemade versions of almost everything I can. So like my most recent thing was horseradish. I love, I made my own horseradish or ice cream also a fan of sorry there's so many things now i was just gonna i was gonna add salad dressing oh salad dressing I have, yeah yeah i've now i've now learned that i don't like any bottled salad dressing even the ones that are like quote organic and all natural start to taste gross i like to make before you start making your own versions of things it can seem overwhelming but you really can easily make your own versions it's of so easy things. yeah yeah salad dressing is the easiest of all and so it's so much better I've, that's like the one thing i really have learned over time Yeah, so like my book has 50 um, recipes in it and there's a lot of salad dressings in there as well. So I'm also a huge fan of tapping. Have you done tapping before? I haven't done it, but I know people who swear by it. I've heard of it. I know what it is. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm going really long, so I'll just say listeners, look it up. It's amazing. It's You activate your nervous system and make associations with certain thoughts and feelings. And it it sounds like really vague and hocus pocusy, but it's – from my experience, it's very effective and very, very real and very easy to do. I really recommend, I think Brad Yates is his name. So I'll put links to that in the show notes. Huge fan of the Squatty Potty. Huge fan of shower filters. Uh, huge fan of actually food combining and doing that while eating. And yeah, that was a lot of stuff. How about you, Jen? Okay, I am so basic. <laughs> I mean, really, I really am. I um, I don't do most of those things or like any of them. <laughs> I, you know, I do intermittent fasting. I, I wake up, take serapeptase, fast, drink my, I do have organic coffee during the day um, as a choice, and then drink my mineral water, eat my meal, which does not have to be organic because I'm doing the meal delivery services and, you know, I'm fine with that. And then I'd have my magnesium and go to bed. That's really it. That's my day. You know, as far as like wellness practices, I try to get out in the sun when it's it's whenever I can to get natural sunlight, you know, for the vitamin D. I love to, to sunbathe, actually. You know, I think the key is not to get a burn. You know, I've got fair skin. And so I make sure that I, I come inside before I have too much sun. But also meditation as a practice, you know, or praying, you know, if you're depending on your religious beliefs. But that's been something that's been helpful for me. 
over the past um, couple years as I've started to um, to put that in as a practice, working on that one. But that's hey, that's it. I, that's all I do. And as far as like natural products, you know, I, I've tried a few here and there, but overall, I just tend to gravitate towards, you know, more of like a, a mainstream, not hardcore kind of a thing. Like I'm still using regular plain old toothpaste, even though I've tried all the others. I just don't like the way they work for me as well. Um, I am using a natural deodorant right now that I like, that a friend recommended. Um, but, you know, plain shampoo, just regular everything. So I'm the opposite of Melanie <laughs> with all of, all of those other things. I do try, as far as cleaning products, I don't like a lot of scented things. Like I can't stand well, I can't my clothes to smells. smell. I can't. Yeah, I can't, I can't do smells. And um, I have this wonderful lady who comes and cleans my house every couple of weeks. And it has been life-changing having her. But she really likes things that, that have a scent. So a few weeks ago when she came, she had something new. And she sprayed it like everywhere. And we were like, no, what is that? And I had to call her and tell her, stop. <laughs> the first time she came, this is kind of a funny story. She had these little sachet scenty things, you know, like you can buy that are nothing but like scented chemicals, you know. And she hid them all around the house, like in the book, the bookcase and behind the sofa and like in the vases. I mean, it was really, really funny. And so that was before I was doing intermittent fasting. I was still overweight. I was still having terrible, terrible allergies. So I was having a Christmas party the very like next day. I was having like a big Christmas party for my work and she came and cleaned. And so I walked in and started sneezing like crazy. And like my whole house was like <laughs> a chemical mess. So I had to call her and I'm like, where, where is it? What did you do? <laughs> and I had to find it and throw it all away. That's so funny. So really, you know, the scented things. I don't do a lot of the scented stuff. But other than that, I'm just pretty basic. Oh, see, yeah. See, I'm I'm crazy. I'm like find the – make the homemade version of everything. So actually, I moved in with my sister and she's, she's obsessed with Swiffering the floors and the smell. I was like, nope, nope, nope. So <laughs> that was my most recent project was figuring out how to hack your Swiffer to make it <laughs> – to like to make it so that you could and it saves you money to make it so that um you can use your own spray and your own cleaning pads and everything. I actually made a um went to Whole Foods and I speaking of scents, I went to the essential oils and I for like 15 minutes stood there and tried to find the perfect scent for the cleaning solution that I made out of water, vodka, vinegar and essential oils. Well, that's fun. Yeah, I went with sage. Okay, that sounds like a nice one. You know, you can use like just a spray bottle and instead of like, did you fill up the, the Swiffer canister well, with your own or do you just spray it? So I wanted, I wish she had like the fill up bottle because that was like my idea was I was going to fill up her Swiffer because you can hack, you can like tear apart that Swiffer and fill it with your own stuff and save money. <laughs> but she has the ones where you just use the pads. So... Now, now it's a work in progress. I got to figure out. I know you can make it so that you can use your own pads too. So I got to see. It's a whole thing. What we're gonna do yeah. there? But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm a big. But I get I get you on the scents. The scents are a problem for me. But other than that, I'm okay. Yeah, I can't can't do scents. I think people with uh, like autoimmune problems, and which is definitely me, uh, we become more reactive once your immune system becomes super 
super reactive to everything, it really becomes a problem because it becomes super reactive to everything. Well, I totally understand that. And when my son was little, he had a lot of sensitivities to chemicals. So we had, we really did have to, um, that's when we started using the non-scented things because he would react to the smells. He had behavioral reactions to them. So it was interesting. Yeah. So I get it. I do get it. It does affect us. So it's just a matter of finding what works for you, the things that don't bother you. I've actually read some people actually say that the environmental exposure actually plays a bigger role in epigenetics than the food, which is interesting. But I don't know. They all play They all play a role for sure. Yeah. It's all connected. I think we're out of, out of time. I think so. Well, this was wonderful. For listeners, a few things before we go. If you'd like show notes for this episode, you can go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 38. That's where we're going to list all the notes from today and the references and all the fun stuff. You can also go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like, and that's where we're going to put a link to all the stuff that we like, which is a lot of stuff. <laughs> and then also, if you're in iTunes, you can subscribe to our podcast, and then you will get the episodes downloaded automatically. And when you're in op- and when you're in iTunes, we would love, love, love if you have a brief moment to write a review of the podcast. That would just be so wonderful. So, any final thoughts from you, Jen? No, I think that's it. And I hope everyone had a great new year. Now we're, when you're listening, it's a week into the new year. So I hope everyone is happily adopting their intermittent fasting lifestyle and also sharing it with your friends who are trying crazy diets. Save them from those crazy diets and tell them about intermittent fasting. Yes. (laughs) And um, I hope you like my book if you have it because now when this releases, it will be out which is crazy. Yeah, I'm going to the store tomorrow and I'm going to get it. I didn't pre-order because I like to get it in the store. I wanted to have it in my hands at the store. So that's, I'm doing that tomorrow. I'm I'm going to go pick it up. Well, I'm excited for you. I dreamed that it came out and that parts of the text were upside down. (laughs) Well, it happens. We hope that isn't true. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, I will talk to you next week, Jen. All right. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.